0: Hello and welcome to the Community Power podcast, a new weekly series brought to you by the Local Trust and the Community Wealth Fund, campaigning to ensure the next wave of dormant assets is committed to supporting our communities. My name is Chris Allen and in this series I'm going to be teasing out some of the best examples of what's happening in communities through the experiences of those living and working on the front line. I'll be focusing in particular on what happens when you give local people the money, the power and the assets to make a difference in their neighbourhoods. With me is Beth Lazenby who's the series producer. Beth, who've we got this week? So this week, Chris, we've got Barry Mead, who is actually the Community Archaeologist of the Year in 2019. Um, and he's going to be talking to us about a resident-led regeneration project that he helped lead on in Northumberland. Indeed, and uh, this is my first virtual journey going up towards the North First of all, I asked Barry to describe for us where he both works
1: and lives. It is, it's quite a variety for such a small area, and it covers the villages of Cresswell, where I live, Ellington, Linton and Lymouth. I appreciate you giving all the pronunciations to me so I can't go wrong. Yeah, which is good coming from me as almost a Cockney who now lives up in Northumberland. Uh, Well, I think that's how they pronounce them anyway. But Cresswell itself, where I live, where I'm really incredibly lucky to live and work. We're right on the coast, uh, on the Northumberland coast, uh, a place called Druridge Bay, which is absolutely stunning. On my doorstep here, literally at the bottom of the village green, I have a six mile sandy beach backed by sand dunes down There every day when we greyhound and what absolutely stunning. But then, just inland from us, we've got the other three villages of Ellington, Linton, and These are all former pit villages, and uh, no doubt, as listeners are well aware, the northeast was really one of the mining capitals of the world at one time. But with pit closures, which has been going on since the 60s, it's had a huge impact on southeast Northumberland and certainly Ellington, Linton, and Lymouth. Really only came about because of coal mining. And when the pits closed, we've ended up with a huge amount of deprivation as a result of it. And although things are a lot better now, we still have some of the highest unemployment rates in, in the country, etc., etc. But what, what amazes me, is, so I'm incredibly lucky living on the coast here, but the folk up here, and I've lived all over the country, they are definitely canny. You <laughs> cannot meet, honestly, yeah, I speak funny, yeah, but they know I'm straight away as soon as I yeah. open the gob. But well, they are so incredibly friendly. It doesn't matter where you're from or whatever, that they, they really embrace you. So that's one of the reasons I love being up here. You know, despite all the hardships and the problems, people are amazingly friendly. So it's it's a brilliant part of the world. I love it. So I can never move south again.
0: I was going to ask you there about community, because obviously when the pits went, uh, there was a sort of ripping out of community in many ways as well. It wasn't just about the jobs and the unemployment. What mm-hmm. you're saying there actually it's a very positive community but the kind of projects you're getting involved in sort of ov- obviously bringing people together that's a key aspect
1: too, too right and i'm not saying it's absolutely ap- it's perfect here it isn't there's still all sorts of issues up here but no projects like this show when this started was it 10 years ago now blooming heck um <laughs> we've
0: all gone yeah, a bit yeah, gray in that uh, time
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm only 21 um <laughs> but no it, it, it is brilliant and obviously it, it and as part of the initial process for the cell, a lot of consultation. What do the community value? What do they want to say? What do they want to do? And I was really pleased that things like heritage and environment came out as one of the sort of things that they were keen to develop. And yeah, my passion being archaeology and heritage, straight away I got involved with the environment group and I've been involved with it yeah, the whole 10 years. And it's brilliant. You get to meet people and, and this is what you know, these projects are you know, raising all this funding and what have you for huge uh, restoration projects. takes a lot of time and effort. But when you're working with people who share your passion, it doesn't have to make it a lot easier. And with all these projects, you get your mind saying, oh, Why the heck am I bothering? I'm oh, not another Lemon meeting. Oh, God, I can't, <laughs> can't be bothered with all this paperwork. But then you think of the end goal and the people you're working yeah. with. And that, that, so it's all about people. Yeah, I love the heritage. but getting the people, young and old, engaged. That's what it's all about, isn't it, really?
0: You mentioned that you're an archaeologist. It's where your passion comes from. Where did that passion start off
1: with you? I've no idea. I'm one of four children. There's no history in my family of any interest in history or archaeology. Uh, When I left school, which is a lot of years ago now, I'm nearly 68, uh, I joined the civil service in London, which I'm glad I did because I hated the job so much. Uh, I thought, I cannot do this the rest of my life. And I'd always had an interest in history. And we're going back to the 1970s here. And I went, but I love practical things. I love physical work. So I thought, in the end, after a few years in the civil service, let's pack all this in. Let's go to university as a mature student, see if I can get in to read archaeology. And that was in 1977. And I did three years there, the best three years of my life. Went on loads of digs. And I'm still digging to this. I spend most of my summers uh, digging up most of Northumberland. I, I'm <laughs> always... that's no, If there's a hole if, there, it could have been you. Is that the case? I am brilliant. I am a human JCB. I'm not saying I find a lot, but I'm damn good at shifting the soil. I just love it. I, I cannot explain. Well, again, I love the digging, unearthing stuff. But again, you're working with community volunteers. We've got the same interest and we don't have to have a laugh. It's just brilliant. Uh, I shall die happy.
0: And uh, well, not not just yet. Uh, not but... just yet, I hope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: so you, t- you talk there about getting people involved. And what about children, young people? Do they buy into this idea of
1: history and oh, digging stuff up? Absolutely crucial. One of the reasons that, that the Peel Tower, this 14th century tower, which we've now saved, one of the re- every year, uh, Historic England produced what they call a heritage of this register. Uh, which means if you get on that register, your building's in a pretty poor state of repair. And if you don't do anything soon, you're in big trouble. And one of the reasons it was at risk was the amount of vandalism it was suffering from. I'm trying not to generalise, but it's generally younger people were going there, having drinking sessions, smashing bottles against it, covering it with graffiti, breaking in, pushing off some of the stonework and generally making it a very unpleasant place and what have you. So it's crucial to me to go into the first middle schools around here, work with the youngsters, take them artefacts, do what I call hands-on archaeology, but then get them to site to join in the digs and what have you to uncover their heritage. And I'm not saying I'll get through to every youngster that sort of uh, works with us, but if I can just instill some sort of a passion or interest in their heritage, they might they'll, they'll not become archaeologists, but hopefully instead of vandalising the place, they'll at least uh, respect it a bit more.
0: And have you seen a sense of ownership from those who worked on it? You know, is it has that become their tower? We'll talk about the tower in a minute to do, but is it uh, their tower?
1: Yeah, well, funnily enough, uh, I started this project in 2014. So it takes a fair few years to raise all the money and do this. So it's taken seven or eight years. And we actually opened the tower in July of last year to visitors. On one of our open days, uh, one of the children who came in with his dad was one of the children I worked with three or four years ago in school. This was Ellington primary school. And uh, then he was out on site field walking with me and digging. And this child actually on one day found three sort of pieces of work, him, which is, you know, I love work. For, I'm a prehistorian,
0: yeah.
1: uh, But this stuff he found is about 8,000 years old. Wow. And the teacher took a brilliant photograph of me, your know, hands up in there getting all very excited like <laughs> I do. Uh, and this child, uh, with this piece of flint and that's now I'm on the interpretation panels inside and outside the tower I've written a book all about the tower that same photos in there and that youngster was at the tower last summer with his dad to see the tower and what I've said so he's been back three or four times now and that that's just sort of one example but now well I'm not saying he was ever going to vandalize it but he, he he him and his dad just love what we've done what we've achieved And hopefully in years to come, this youngster will be one of our volunteers helping run the place as well.
0: We've mentioned the Peel Tower. Tell us a bit about it, its history, um, Mm -hmm. how it got into the state of disrepair, which I'm guessing Mm was just by being left. uh, um, And how it moved forward, this idea, because in in lots of areas around the country, community priorities don't tend to be around restoration. But this was Mm -hmm. really important to this community, wasn't it?
1: It was to the people in Cresswell, the surrounding area. I'm not saying 100% support. There are people who are not so keen on it because it brings more visitors to Cresswell. But I, I'm, I'm privileged to live in it. The more I can share with people, the better. But it, it goes back to 2014. The tower was in a very derelict state. And at the time, I was doing other projects in the northeast. I said, I can't help out. But after about six months, I thought, flipping You gave in. I, they got I got gave you. in. I can see it. So we we went from there, basically, and it's a 14th. It it was built in the 14th century, and that that, that monuments you only really get in Northumberland, Cumbria and the Scottish borders. Prior to the Crowns of England and Scotland Uniting in 1603, this whole area, the the sort of border region, was pretty uncontrollable. Now, it's pretty chaotic, which is why Northumberland has loads of castles, towers, vassals, which are fortified farmhouses. Most are ruined, a lot have disappeared, some get incorporated into houses. But when I moved to this village here about 15 years ago now, air uh, it's standing but roofless, full of rubbish, trees, dead animals, all sorts of things, vandalised. So it was in a pretty poor state of neglect. And so eventually, say six months later, I joined in with the project, and started putting all the funding bids to the lottery. I was going to
0: say, you mentioned there the funding, and how much it cost to get this thing done. How did you go yeah. about that?
1: The crucial part in all of this is the Heritage Lottery Fund. And they are brilliant. There is so much heritage that in the last 20, 25 years wouldn't have been preserved without lottery funding. We're looking at about £875,000. Right. And the lottery will give you up to 95% of the funding. So you start off having initial meetings with a lottery explaining your project. Is it something that they might support? And uh, if it's something of interest to them, you start then going through the formal application processes.
0: And that's uh, an important point there, because I think the lottery's changed over the past few years in terms of they want to work with you as partners.
1: And the people I've worked with uh, who are based in Newcastle, absolutely brilliant. But that, you know, we've both got the same end. They've got all this money pouring in. They've got to spend it. Um, I want to spend it for them, but we want to make sure between us it's for worthwhile projects. It's public money.
0: One of the things I've heard them say is um, don't bring us your applications, bring us your ideas.
1: Exactly right. You know, because say we've all got what we think are great ideas, but they might not meet the criteria for the lottery, for sale, whatever. So you could do a huge amount of work and end up wasting your time.
0: Now, one of the most difficult things I think many big local areas and many community areas have done, and I think this goes back a long, long time, is engaging the community because, yeah. again, it's not just about, as you were talking there about, you know, what the money is being used for. There's got to really be proof there that this is what the community wants. How exactly. did you go about all that?
1: Well, that's, again, like in the cell uh, project 10 years ago when it started, that the first thing cell would do, not just for environment and heritage, but for education, for housing, whatever, Loads of meetings, loads of opportunities for local people to meet, doing cons- loads of consultation work. Even if they couldn't attend meetings, you know, you'd put stuff on Facebook, you'd do it through social media, giving people the chance to put in their views and find out what the community wanted and what, what the community's priorities were. So you've got to prepare to put in the miles, put in the time and what have you. But Heritage, you know, scored pretty highly. Uh, amongst what the community wanted.
0: You know, for other people around the country who might be listening to the the podcast at the moment, they might not have a a tower at the bottom of their garden like you Mm. have. Uh, You know, the impact of this is way beyond restoring the tower you talked yeah. about the way the vandalism was there and the sense of ownership mm-hmm. so it's reducing crime and antisocial behavior you talked mm-hmm. about the engagement and the fascination of children getting involved which will impact positively uh, on yeah. their education as well you've also talked mm-hmm. about visitors coming in not yeah. wanted by some but that also yeah. will boost the economy as well so it might mm-hmm. not be people have a tower but there might yeah. be a project there that will have all these ah.
1: impacts in their community mm-hmm. I had a brilliant example last year. One of our volunteers, she only started uh, after July when we actually opened the tower. I was on the first floor of the tower with her, engaging with the public, explaining a bit more about the building. But afterwards, she she came up to me. She told me, she said she hadn't smiled so much in an afternoon for, for years. Now, this lady she lived by herself, recently divorced and whatever. So going through a pretty rough time. And that almost brought me to tears. This project for that one person has given her a purpose in life. It gave her joy and she looked forward to it. Kind of, and now she's one of our regular helpers. Uh, and now, uh, one thing I've set up in the tower is like a little sandpit for the children to excavate, put in one of my archaeology trails. i have no idea how privileged they are to handle one of my trails. And I've, again, I've planted various bits and pieces in it. And now, this lady, she supervised that and she loves it, getting the chance to meet children, the parents doing something really worthwhile so you know as you say there are so many other pluses with these projects
0: barry thank you very much indeed and through you thank you to all those who worked with you because it wasn't a a one-man band this at all and and all the volunteers you now work with
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, i will pass that on Uh, i'm going there now to do a bit of digging
0: that's award-winning community archaeologist barry mead and if you want to know more where do we need to go to beth so everything you need to know is in the show notes including links to their website and i think you can even do a three 60 tour of the castle if you're on there. That sounds spectacular. Uh, anyway I look forward to you joining me next time on the Community Power podcast which is brought to you by the Local Trust and the Community Wealth Fund campaigning to ensure the next wave of dormant assets is committed to supporting our communities.